happening, everybody? It's your boy, it's your host, AJ2K, here, live in the flesh, as promised. Got a lot of exciting, exciting sports to get to this weekend. But we got two headliners, in my opinion. We got two big headliners. We got UFC 264. It's time! Headlined by Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. The Suns halfway to a championship, a 2-0 series lead, 118-108, beating the Bucks in Game 2. And those are the two things that I really want to discuss with you all today. Starting with the NBA Finals, because I see a lot of Bucks fans have gone silent since the start of this series. And I have to admit, I hate to be the person to toot their own horn, but (laughs) I predicted the Phoenix Suns would win this series in six games, and I'm sticking to that. That means that game three of this series is extremely pivotal, which is why I wanted to come in the middle of the finals and talk about how the series is going, talk about where the series is headed, and how I believe it'll get to six games. Because I'm hearing a lot of people say that the Bucs might get swept at this point, and I mean, it's possible. I'm hearing a lot of people say the... The Phoenix Suns are on the cusp of a dynasty, which uh, it's possible. I wouldn't go that far, but it's possible. I'm hearing a lot of people already kind of anoint the Suns as the champs. And even though I think the Suns will end up winning this NBA championship, I don't think it's going to end up being as easy as people believe. And I think it starts in game three. Game one of this series, if we being honest, I kind of gave the Bucks a pass. It was Giannis' first game back from his um, knee hyperextension. The Bucs were just getting their footing back with Giannis in the lineup. So it's kind of expected they come out a little rusty. You know, Giannis is a huge, a huge player on both sides of the basketball that you kind of got to work back in the flow of things. You know, they had to work without him the, the previous two games in the series, actually two games and a half in the series against the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. They got out of that series without Giannis, which was crazy enough. I mean, yes, Trey Young went down for the Atlanta Hawks, but they got through that series, the Bucs did, without Giannis. And that's impressive, at least the back half of the series. But again, you add Giannis back to that lineup, but things, they get a little complicated again. So I expected them to come out and lose game one. It's in Phoenix. Phoenix is hot. They're motivated. Chris Paul is his first NBA Finals appearance, his first NBA Finals game. I expected a big night from Chris Paul, and that's exactly what we ended up getting. Chris Paul, for the most part, single-handedly closed that game out, similar to how he closed out the, the Clippers, which is a conversation for another day. But Chris Paul went out there and handled business, gave you 32 points, nine assists, and four rebounds with only two turnovers. Had a solid game. Devin Booker gave you 27. He had a solid game. DeAndre Ayton, not enough people are talking about the effect that Chris Paul has had on DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton, 22 points, 19 rebounds. I mean, 
It don't get much better than that, people. When you got a three-headed monster that's getting you 27, 22, and 32, one player is dominating with the passing and playmaking as well as scoring. Another player is dominating strictly for the most part on the offensive side of the ball, scoring the basketball. And the other player in DeAndre Ayton is dominating the boards and dominating the paint. That's tough to match. But the Milwaukee Bucks play extremely well, in my opinion, in game two. Now, yes, 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 I understand what people are going to say. What about Drew Holiday? What about Chris Middleton? Honestly, if I'm being if I'm being real, I expect Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to bounce back because we know there are better players than how they've been playing so far in this series. Let's just be honest. I don't anticipate Chris Middleton shooting five of 16 from the field, only dropping 11 points. I don't anticipate Drew Holiday shooting seven of 21 from the field, only averaging or only having 17 points and inefficient 17 points. I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I just don't, especially in Milwaukee. Chris Middleton has been known so far in this postseason to start playoff series slow. We've seen it time and time again, and we're seeing it again now. So again, I say this to say it's far too too soon to just write the Bucks off. I will say the same thing I said about the Clippers going against Phoenix. You don't want to go down 2-0 to this team. But now that you're in a 2-0 hole, it's not over. You didn't want to be here, but but it's not over. I think they did, I'd say in the first quarter, the first half of, of this basketball game and game two of the NBA Finals, I feel like the Bucs did exactly what they need to do. Attack the basket, feed Giannis in the post, feed Brooke Lopez in the post, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, attack the basket, attack the basket, attack the basket. I think they got to do that all game. I think, yes, you take your open shots when they're there. Your open mid-range shots, your open three-point shots, of course. They're a good three-point shooting team, people, especially in Milwaukee. If the three-point shot is there, of course you take the three-point shot. This will be stupid. It'll be stupid for me to say to not take the three-point shot. You take the three-point shot. On the defensive side of the ball, listen, get out to the shooters. If Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo is in the paint, Giannis is a former defensive player of the year. Brooke Lopez is no slouch on the defensive side of the ball. They're both about 6'11", 7 foot, both of them. Both of them have length in the paint. I say get out to those shooters. Don't help as much on a dribble drive. Don't help as much on that because you have Giannis and you have Brooke Lopez in the paint. Tell Giannis and Brooke Lopez, hand straight up, jump straight up, Contest without fouling. It's going to be difficult for Chris Paul, for Devin Booker, Cam Cam Johnson. It's going to be difficult for those players, even DeAndre Ayton, to finish over the top of that length. And Giannis, nine times out of ten, is going to get a block. I think that's I think that's the best way to defend the Phoenix Suns. You get out to those shooters, and you make them finish in the paint. Try to take away the three-point shot. Because you see, in the first quarter of that game, it was a back-and-forth contest. But the Bucs dominated the paint. Talking about game two here. They dominated the paint for the vast majority of the first half. The only reason why the Suns stayed within that game is because they shot the lights out from the three in the first half. They shot crazy from the three-point line. And that is because anytime Devin Booker 
or Chris Paul or whoever tried to attack the paint, everybody would converge on them in the paint. Everybody would try to contest in the paint. And all they did was dribble penetration and kick out to whoever was open. Bridges, who dropped, I believe, what, 27 in that game? If I'm not mistaken, I got the numbers right here in front of me. Yeah, 27. They kicked it to Cameron Payne. They kicked it to Cameron Johnson. They kicked it out to Torrey Craig. These guys can shoot. Stay home on those shooters. I think that's the best way. I think that's the best way you get it done. Yes, it does. It sounds foolish in a way, but I think it's extremely smart because, again, you have Giannis and you have Brooke Lopez in the paint. At the end of the day, it's going to be tough finishing over Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And if the Milwaukee Bucks decide to go small and they put Giannis at the five, even with that lineup out there, because that leaves more shooters for the Bucks on the floor, which, you know, so it's a good lineup. Even with Giannis playing the five, it's going to be hard to just finish over Giannis in the paint. Because I understand Chris Paul with his pick and rolls and his switches and how he makes the defense switch off that pick and roll. Sometimes it can be difficult to play a guy like Brooke Lopez. So you got to go small and put Giannis at the five. Even then, stay home on the shooters. Make them take that layup. Make them take that mid-range shot. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks that way. In order to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to have to shoot like how they've been shooting. Now, I think they will, and I think they can. But the point is, as far as the Bucs are concerned, that's the that's going to be your best shot at beating the Suns, making them shoot in the paint, making them attack the basket. That way, if you guys are playing the same way, the Bucs are a much better paint-finishing team than the Suns because they have Giannis, because they have Brooke Lopez, because they have Drew Holiday. They finish better inside than the Phoenix Suns. So if you're playing a game of twos instead of a game of twos and giving up threes on the other end, that's a bit, you, you got a much better chance at winning those games, especially in Milwaukee. Because we know in Milwaukee, if you attack the basket, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, after a while, the Suns are going to do what the Milwaukee Bucks did last game which is collapse on the paint, which means double-team Giannis and double-team Brooke Lopez or whoever's in that paint. And then you got shooters on the outside. Then you got Holiday open. Then you got Middleton open. Then you got Forbes open. Then you got Pat Cunnington open. That's how you get them. That is how you get them. Hit them with, their, hit them, hit them with the same thing they be hitting you with, dribble, drive, kick. Dribble, drive, kick. And if they don't help in the paint, those are easy layups. Yes, they have DeAndre Aiden in the paint, but it's not like having Giannis in the paint and Brooke Lopez or just Giannis. It's not the same. We respect DeAndre, DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden is a great player. He's played superb in this postseason. Don't get me wrong. DeAndre Aiden has played great, you know, especially going up against bigs like Anthony Davis, going up against the league MVP like Jokic. You know what I mean? Like he's played great. At the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I still believe they have a distinctive advantage in the paint. The Bucks have to make the Phoenix Suns play Milwaukee Bucks basketball in order to beat them. If you do not get out to the shooters, Milwaukee, they will continue to shoot you out of the gym. Booker for three. Punch it in. Paul for three. This will not stop. 
This will not stop if you do not if you do not run them off the three point shot. They will continue to shoot you out of the gym. It's what they do. It's what they did to the Lakers. It's what they did to the Nuggets. Heck, I understand Devin Booker is a mid range killer. Chris Paul, he's a mid range killer, especially off of that off of that pick and roll. I get it. That man knows how to find his way around the basketball floor. That Chris Paul, that is, and he's taught Devin Booker even more than what he already knew. Just when we didn't think Devin Booker could learn even more about how to be an offensive threat, more of an offensive threat than he already was. No, Chris Paul came along and taught him some of his tricks so he can get around the floor the same way. But again, match twos with twos. Don't give up the three. Simple as that. If you're a coach, bud, that is the game plan. We get out to the shooters. We force them to take layups and jump shots, contested layups, and contested mid-range shots in the paint. And then we'll see if they can beat us that way. Now, if they beat you that way, look, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you at that point. Coach Bud, listen. I said this about the Bucks, and I said, and I've said this again. I won't be the person to come on, you know, my my radio show, come on my podcast, and say something along the lines of the Bucks are the dumbest team to ever be in the finals. I'm not gonna say that because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're in the finals for a reason. What I will say is this. Coach Bud has not had to make a lot of adjustments. A lot of adjustments have been made for Coach Bud to succeed. For example, yes, you got through the Miami Heat series. I believe that the Bucs were super motivated because the Miami Heat practically swept the Bucs last year in the bubble. So I think there was a lot of motivation there. It was a lot of hostility there. It was a lot of it was a lot of uh, tension there that the Bucs wanted to wanted to face the Heat and they wanted to kill the Heat. And we saw that. We saw the Bucs had a chip on their shoulder when it came to facing the Miami Heat. But in that round against the Brooklyn Nets, no adjustments was really made. I'm going to tell you that now. And if anything, the adjustment that was made, taking Bobby Portis out of games, I don't agree with that. I didn't agree with that adjustment at all. I still don't understand why Coach Butt was doing that in the first place. Bobby Porter... Bobby Portis is one of the Bucks' best role players. I don't know why that adjustment was made. But nevertheless, Kyrie Irving went down and James Harden went down. When they were down 2-0 with James Harden out, Kyrie Irving went down in game four of that series. Yes, they won game three with Kyrie Irving on the floor. Yes. But that's expected. You're supposed to win that first game at home, especially if you're down 2-0. Well. You're trying to avoid the sweep. Of course you win that next game at home. And they barely won that game, people. They barely scratched by in that game. They, they scratched and clawed for that game. Game four was the game where the Brooklyn Nets were supposed to respond. And it looked like, for all intents and purposes, they were on the verge of doing so until Kyrie Irving went down. Then things shifted. Again, that was not an adjustment that Coach Bud had to, had to make. It wasn't. That was an adjustment that was made for him. Now you don't have to deal with Kyrie Irving. Well, that made the series a lot easier because Joe Harris didn't show up, and it was just Kevin Durant out there for Brooklyn, if we're just being honest. Kevin Durant had to go out there to and drop 48-49 to give you a chance, to give the Brooklyn Nets a chance, <laughs> to give him a chance to beat the Bucs. He had to go out there and drop close to 50. I mean, it, it was just ridiculous. And again, they barely got out of that series. Now, they deserve to get out of that series, the Bucs did, but they barely got out of it. Then you go on, go on and you play in this series against the, the Atlanta Hawks. Before Giannis goes down, Trey Young drops. That's an adjustment that 
was made for Coach Bud. Now you don't have to deal with 100% of Trey Young. Now, yes, Giannis went down. And yes, you give credit where it's due. The Bucks played well with Giannis out. But do I give more credit to Coach Bud for that? Or do I give it to Chris Middleton, who went out and balled? Drew Holiday, who went out and balled? I didn't see any coaching adjustments made. What I saw was, look, Chris Middleton, we need you to take more shots. We need you to be the number one guy. Look, Drew Holiday, we need you to be the number two guy. We need you to defend. We need you to score. We need you to facilitate. We need you to shoot efficiently. That's that's what I saw. I didn't see many X's and O's that were different from the first couple of games in the series. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. I did I just, I did not see it. I didn't see a difference in the defense. I I did I did not see it. And I believe that the Bucks were just simply the better team. They were just better than the Hawks. Even with Trey Young on the floor, the Hawks had one shot. And that was if Trey Young went for close to 50 every game. If he didn't, they weren't going to win that series. This is something that we knew. Even with Giannis being out, if the Hawks didn't have Trey Young, it was over. Trey Young, and this may be a controversial comment, but it is the truth. And we've seen it now. The proof is in the pudding. Trey Young is more valuable to his team than Giannis Antetokounmpo. It, it, the proof is in the pudding. Because the Bucs can beat you without Giannis. The Hawks... The Hawks gonna struggle to get a game without Trey Young being 100% of Trey Young. So, again, I say all that to say, I all eyes on Coach Bud, and he needs to make the adjustments that I stated earlier. He pointed it out at one point during the game. He said, "I think we're overcommitting to the drive penetration, to the dribble drive. I think we're overcommitting to it." And then didn't make any adjustments. <laughs> like I, I don't get it. Maybe he's saving it for the, the games in Milwaukee. Maybe he's being strategic with that. Who knows? I don't know. But again, all eyes are on Coach Bud as well as Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Because, yes, we know those cats, they need to step up. But Bud has to step up as a coach as well because Monty Williams is stepping up with his coaching. And not only that, you also have Chris Paul, the floor general, one of the, the highest basketball IQs to ever play the game on the floor that you have to deal with too. So, I say all that to say, again, all eyes on Coach Bud, all eyes on Middleton, all eyes on Drew. But I do think the Bucs will end up winning game three. I think game four is a question mark. If Coach Bud makes the makes the moves that I think he should and makes the changes that I believe he should, I think that, again, they win game three. But I think the Suns respond in game four, similar to how they did to the Clippers when the Clippers were trying to come back from their 2-0 deficit. And I think the Suns go up go up to um go go up three one and I think that makes things very interesting going forward. I can see the Bucks getting a win in Phoenix, but I don't think the series goes seven games and that's why I got Phoenix in six. And nothing that I've seen so far in this series is going to sway me away from that prediction. Phoenix in six, they hold the trophy at the end of the year. Chris Paul, like I said before, will be NBA Finals MV P. What do you think when you hear that sentence? Man, it sounds damn good. Damn good. It's been a lot of work, man. A lot of work. Going to a new team. Everybody staying, of course. Moving on to UFC 264. Now, listen. Anybody that knows me knows I rock with Conor McGregor. And I'm just going to put it out there before I even get too deep in the, t in the topic. I rock with Conor McGregor. 
I like his attitude. I like his swagger. I like that most of the time he talks trash, he's going to back it up. This is what I don't like about Conor McGregor, though. Conor McGregor has gotten to a point in his career. He's not as hungry as he once was. He's made all the money that he can potentially make in the sport for the most part. And a lot of times he lets his confidence and his ego get in the way of his fighting in the octagon. There's no way in the previous fight you let Dustin Poirier kick you in the leg 26 times. I think he only tried to check two kicks the whole fight. Connor has not checked any of those little calf kicks, man. No, Dustin he keeps has landing not. them. And again, another touch on that lead leg of McGregor coming up on three minutes here, round two. I think it would be smart, DC, of Poirier now, now that he's attacked that calf, to mix in a takedown attempt. Because Dustin's beating that outside leg up bad. Oh, oh, oh that leg's beat up, man. Dustin Poirier has oh, beat Oh, big left from Poirier, now a right hand. Yes, I watched the fight. I think he only tried to check two, two of those leg kicks the whole fight. You're not going to win the fight if a man especially Dustin Poirier, is kicking you in the same leg 26 times. Yes, Connor says, the leg went numb. Yes, of course it went. You're lucky, you're lucky he didn't tear your ACL. You're lucky he didn't snap your kneecap. You're lucky he wasn't, you know, a meniscus tear or something along those lines. Yes, yes, that's bound to happen because you're not checking the leg kicks. You're not getting out of the way. And I know what Connor's doing. He's a kickboxer. He's setting up the kick. He's setting up the left hand. Connor, that only works for so long, man. It's not like in a fight against Dustin Poirier, it's not like he's going to stop kicking you in the leg. He understands that that takes away from the power in your kicks and the power in your punches. So he's going to keep doing that until you stop it, until the leg gives out, which it did. And that's how Dustin ended the fight. The first time they fought, they were they were a, a lot younger, and Connor was a hungry fighter, and ended Dustin Poirier the way that he should have ended Dustin Poirier in the in the second fight. Listen, Connor throughout his career has gotten away from the sport of UFC too much, and that is his biggest downfall. After he beat Alvarez and became the champ, champ, everything went out the window. You go and fight Connor McGregor, or you go and fight Floyd Mayweather. You train for a year plus to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. You lose to Floyd Mayweather. You take some time, take probably, what was it, another year, year and a half, maybe two years off. Then you jump back in the octagon and try to fight Khabib? That's not how this works. <laughs> That's not how this works. And me being a fool loving Conor McGregor, I thought he had a chance and he he didn't. He's not going to beat Khabib taking all that time off, not getting any, any real warm-up fights. You needed a couple of warm-up fights before you just hopped in the octagon with Khabib. I believe at the time the only undefeated fighter left, pound for pound, the best fighter in UFC. That's tough, bro. You're not going to beat Khabib. Not, not only are you not going to beat him, you're not going to beat him because you had the time off, but Khabib isn't a brawler. Khabib is a wrestler. He doesn't even fight your fighting style. And he he wrestles with bears, people. He grew up wrestling with bears. Conor McGregor's ground game is okay. 
It's not a plus. It's not. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's an A. It's oh. It's okay. Connors is the kind of guy that gets on the ground and you need to get back up. Okay, you need to find a way to. I think he's he's smooth enough to get back up or avoid getting to the ground. But if you're on the ground with a guy like Khabib, it's over. Then you take more time away. You come back. You fight Donald Cerrone. You take out Donald Cerrone. And then you take more time off away from the octagon. Stay in the octagon. That is why, again, I think Conor McGregor gets in his own head. He gets overconfident. He gets a little arrogant, for you being honest. And he thinks, I can take this much. I can take as much time off as I want until I get the contract that I want, until I get the money I want. I'm going to take all this time off. These other fighters in the UFC, they hungry, bro. You taking all this time off, that ain't helping your cause, bro. That 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 is not helping your cause, bro. Because these fighters are surpassing you. These fighters are training to be better than you. And they did surpass you. So I think if we can get Hungry Connor back and we can get the Connor that's focused on UFC, not boxing, not fighting Floyd, not fighting Pacquiao, not overlooking his opponent because he wants to fight Manny Pacquiao. I heard him say that the other night to Stephen A. Yeah, I overlooked him, man. I overlooked Dustin Poirier, man. I was training, you know, getting ready. My camp was getting ready to fight Manny Pacquiao. Connor, you should know more than anybody that's not smart. Dustin ain't no scrub. Dustin will take you out. Dustin is a smart fighter. Not to mention you beat Dustin before. You don't think Dustin was ready for that moment to take you out? He ain't the guy to overlook. So, if anything, I'm happy that we got this Connor now that's talking trash, that's saying he going to knock Dustin out. I'm going to go through his head, put holes in them, and take it off his shoulders. That's the goal here. He's done here. This is it for him. This is the end of the road. Even after that last fight, oh, I don't love this anymore. I don't love doing this. He knew what was coming. He knew the smacks he took. So, it's on now. Saturday night, he's getting walked around that octagon like a dog and put to sleep. This man is going to learn that if you disrespect a person's kindness and take it as a weakness, you must pay. Tomorrow night, I'm going to make this man pay with his life, and I mean it. You're dead in that octagon tomorrow night. This is the counter that we need, because the other counter was all kind and generous, and that's the counter that got his leg kicked off and got knocked out. The counter that's confident, the counter that's talking trash, the counter that's like, you know, I'm with the smoke. I'm going to make you pay. That's the counter that you need because that shows the fire that is needed for him to be at the top of his game again. I think Connor's going to win this fight. I think Connor is going to do a better job of checking those leg kicks, moving out of the way. I think he's going to keep his distance. I think he's going to be able to tag him with the right and left hooks. With the uppercuts, I think the stand-up game is gonna be lethal because I don't I still to this I don't think anybody can really stand up with Connor. Like legit, like legit stand up with Connor. The only time cats like Nate Diaz have 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 beat Connor is when Connor got tired later on in the rounds. And that was only one fight. Nobody really standing up with Connor, but you kick him in the leg, you take him to the ground, you make it a long, drawn out fight, you got a shot. But I think Connor's going to be smarter. I think the conditioning is going to be better. I think the other fight he lost to Poirier, I think that fight woke him up. Hopefully it woke him up to say, look, if I want to continue to be at the top, 
I need to start winning these fights. And I can't let these dudes walk in here and think they can just knock me out and go about their business. That's not how this is going to go. The UFC is the kind of sport they get rid of you in a heartbeat. They get the moment you're not box office no more, you're not gonna be in that octagon as the main attraction on a pay-per-view. It's not gonna happen. And I'll say this real quick about Connor. Connor needs this fight. Connor needs this fight. He needs to win this fight. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. Because I guarantee you, he loses this fight. People are gonna say he lost to Poirier twice. We've seen him lose to Floyd. We've seen him lose to, to a Diaz brother. We've seen him lose more than he's won as of late. That's what people going to start saying. And all that talk and all that cachet, all that stuff going to go out the window. All that stuff going to go out the window. Those big paydays, that stuff going to go out the window. Because people are not going to give you the kind of respect that you've been getting throughout your career if you keep taking these L's like this. So again, I think Connor's going to come out hungry because I think he knows that. I think his camp knows that. In order to stay relevant, you got to win. You got to win, and you got to win convincingly. You got to keep doing that. You got to stay box office, not just by trash talk, but by, how, but by how you back it up in the octagon. I think he knows that. I think his camp knows that. And I think at the end of the day, Connor McGregor, the notorious Connor McGregor, will find a way. To take out Dustin Poirier, I say by TKO in the second round. The one, the only, the notorious Connor McGregor. I think if it goes beyond the second round, it can get dicey for McGregor because even though I expect his conditioning to be better, the later Connor fights, the worse things get. <laughs> I'm just saying, even in his prime, the later he fought, the worse it got. So I'm rolling with, with Connor to get that dub. I ain't going to put no money on it. <laughs> I might not say place your bets this time, but I'm going to roll with Connor McGregor, second round TKO. That is all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Y'all make sure y'all tune into the next episode of AJ2K Radio. But for now, your boy, your host, is signing off. I'll catch y'all next time.